What's up, ninjas and ninjas? Welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name's Tim, I'm Head Ninja at Exposure Ninja, and this show is all about helping you to generate more leads and sales through your website. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Azim Ahmed from Staffordshire University. Now, if you're a little bit like me, when I saw that someone from Staffordshire University was coming onto the show to talk about pay-per-click, I thought, university we're probably not going to be getting some insights into a really well-run campaign here, but actually Azim completely blew me away. See, we were talking before the show and he's worked client side, he's worked agency side. This guy is a beast. He's talked at Brighton SEO, he's talking at other conferences later this year as well, so he really knows his stuff. There are loads of transferable takeaways from this and it's really interesting to see how Staffordshire approach their pay-per-click advertising, given that they have such a seasonal business. Like, however seasonal you're businesses even if you're selling Christmas trees I would challenge you that a university account is at least as seasonable as yours if not even potentially more seasonable in that they know exactly the days that things are going to be happening and it's really interesting to hear how they manage their budget throughout the year and anticipate times when they're going to be able to spend more and when they need to pull back on budget because they're being outspent by crazy rivals that are just throwing everything at this. So really interesting episode. I hope you get a lot of takeaways from this. In particular, there are three words that you can add to your mobile Google ads, which are gonna increase their performance. That's all I'm gonna say. You gotta listen to the episode to find them. So I hope you enjoy this episode with Azim Ahmad. And don't forget, if you need some help with your own digital marketing, then you can request a free website and marketing review from Exposure Ninja. Just go to ExposureNinja.com, click the big old button there. And what will happen is we'll ask for a bit of information about your business and your digital marketing and your goals. We'll then put together a free marketing review where one of the team will take a look on video at your website, your digital marketing and your competitors and we'll prioritize the things that we'd suggest focusing on over the next six to 12 months in order to hit your goals. So that's completely free of charge. It's genuinely amazing. Probably the best thing that you can do for your business today and you can get that from ExposureNinja.com. But without further ado, enjoy the episode with Azim Ahmad from Staffordshire Uni. Azim, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. So as you know, this show is all about going behind the scenes of a particular marketing channel, campaign or strategy that you've used to get more I usually say business, but in this case, it's going to be slightly different. We'll find out what you did, how well it worked, and what you've learned. Ready to lift the curtain? (laughs) Absolutely, yeah. Let's go for it. Good stuff. So I normally ask about the business. Um, What is Staffordshire Uni, and how do you make money? (laughs) Um, Well, we make money by selling cars. No, no, I'm joking. as you know, we're a university, an, inst- uh, an educational institution, I should say. Um, been around for many, many years, um, and we've got a few campuses. Um, as an institution, we've recently um, opened a campus in London, um, which is very interesting for us um, because we have a lot of interest and a lot of students that choose to come up from London. Uh, and what we notice there is that there's a, a, a growing market of prospective students who want to study specific digital courses, things like esports, cybersecurity, things like that down in London. So we recognise that 
that need and we opened up a campus there um, and I'm pleased to say it's doing really well. I've been down there a few times, I've met the students, they're really, really cool. Um, also demonstrates how old I am when they start talking to me about things like esports and stuff like that, and competitive gaming and all the stuff I wish was around when I was at university um, because there's an insane amount of money to be made playing games for a living now, I've found. <laughs> Probably a good time to mention that it's both of our birthdays today, so I think we deserve Absolutely. a little bit of respect from the audience for filming podcasts on our birthdays. <laughs> and the fact that we've got a combined age of 35 is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that I'm only 15 of those is even more incredible. So, <laughs> yeah. How long have you been at Staffs and, and what sort of changes have you seen in in how they market and how they use the internet to get more attention since you joined? Um, so I've been at Staffs for just over two years now. Um, and certainly in the two years that I've been here, there's been quite a lot of change um, in student and prospective student behavior. Mm. If we take um, clearing, for example, um, clearing for those that don't know is a process whereby when you get your results after A-level results day, you can either choose to move to a different university or if you didn't quite get the grades that you wanted, um, you can see what other courses are available at other universities. Um, the first year that I was here, I noticed a very, very big demand within that hour that students get their results, huge demand. We look at the real-time traffic on the website and it just goes and equally costs go because that's where everybody is. Yeah. Um, so the first year it was crazy. We thought we were prepared for it. We, the market thought they were prepared for it, but the demand was just insane. Right. Um, and then last year, so clearing just gone, um, a complete sort of shift in behavior. Students and prospective students started researching earlier. It definitely turned into the phrase in higher education is a buyer's market. So students were a lot more savvier. Um, they knew that if they got the required amount of grades, they could have the sort of pick of the universities where they wanted to go to. So it became a far more considered purchase. So well, I did selling cars. It is very much like that. Um, I've run the marketing for um, a very large car manufacturer all over Europe, and I can see a lot of similarities in that, in that it's a huge purchase. You're spending around 30K of your money. So it's definitely something that is worth a, a huge mm. amount of consideration. Mm. Um, but one of the things that we've seen in the last year is that students um, are taking a lot more time. Um, they're coming back more often to the website, spending a long amount of time, far more deeper journeys into the website, huge amounts of research into things that you wouldn't initially expect students to look at in terms of life on campus, societies, um, accommodation and just the general area and what life is going to be like. When I was studying it was very much, is this the right university for me, is this the course that I want, will it give me the career that I want? Um, and then I didn't really think too much about where I was going to live, which I should have done because I um, ended up in a house with just three three guys um, and now we're still really good friends to be honest, but yeah, I didn't give that too much of a consideration, but if I compare my own journey there to um, students these days, um, a massive shift, definitely, yeah. So, I mean, when we talk to clients and potential clients, they think that, you know, PPC is, is gonna be quite a challenging sale for them because they're selling something which is, you know, reasonably high ticket. 
I would suggest to them that their job at selling whatever they're selling is not going to be as difficult as yours. Not only because you've got such a high ticket purchase, but also you've got to figure out how to track and measure in such a, you know, the, the number of touches before someone decides to become a student. Like, how do you even begin to think about that? Um, well, I think you kind of touched on part of it yourself when you're speaking to clients. PPC is very much a, a hard sell, um, but the rewards are, I would say, removing my sort of channel bias, that the rewards mm. are immeasurable. Like you said, and like I mentioned earlier, students um, and their parents, I should add, um, so entire families, because it's not just a solo decision anymore, they will come to our website several times and we... What I do uh, and the team does here is we analyze behavior patterns at various points of the year. So we know that in specific months, this is what's going to be the most interesting. The obvious example I can give you without giving away all of my secrets is that oh, during, <laughs> um, during sort of um, GCSE and A-level results time, the, the biggest area of interest for us and where people spend most of their time, the hotspot, for example, is all around the entry requirements because typically what people are doing there, they're in that sort of ready to buy mode. And it's like, have I got what they want? Do my results match up to what they've got? So at that point, it's pretty easy. Everything that leads up to it is slightly more difficult um, because we need to try and understand what it is that Joel or Jane blogs actually want from us. Mm. Um, and like I said, your website is your shop window. Um, with PPC, one of the benefits of it is that we can see what people are actually putting into Google. It's the best channel that gives you that information when you look at the search term reports. These are exactly what our customers want from us and this is what we want from us. So we can very quickly just turn around a piece of content or make a piece of content that satisfies our needs. Um, one of the things that I should have mentioned, actually, um, which we would never have picked up on historical stuff, is that um, there's a lot of interest outside of January, because typically you'd expect January to be the season for sort of getting fit and New Year and Yumi and everything else. There was a lot of interest um, not too long ago in our gym and our fitness facilities a whole load of search terms and volumes and the things coming through about what exactly our gym and our sports center offers. So we look at things like that. We analyze um, user journeys, behaviors, what people are doing on the website and everything else. And we try and deliver a piece of content that's gonna satisfy what people want. Mm. Uh, so we did that. We used some of our student communications ambassadors, created uh, video content, things like a day in the life of, here's me getting a sports massage. And it's a lot better than Azeem, the digital marketer, saying, here I am getting a sports massage. When we use actual students to create this piece of content for us, it's incredible. And we use PPC and paid media to sort of leverage that because we know that's where our audience are. So that's one of the things that I think is incredibly useful. So just talking about tracking then, because it sounds like as well as getting during the clearing process when it sounds like a bit of a, a kind of frenzy to try and get the get the eyeballs from people that haven't got the grades they want and they're looking for second options for something like that what would be the goal that you're tracking or are you tracking just engagement with the site and looking at volumes of traffic instead i think for clearing it's a bit of a, a different one because many universities track many different things outside of clearing the typical things would be 
download our prospectus, request right. a prospectus, book an open day, actually come onto campus um, and see what we're about or take a virtual sort of 3D tour. During clearing, um, what we want and what we found through our research, and this goes throughout the industry, it's not just exclusive to us, is what students actually want to do is physically talk to people. Mm. So they don't want to speak to a chatbot. Um, they don't want to go onto live chat. They want it to be a very personal experience. So what we want people to do is actually give us a call. So our main sort of, um, and many main universities actions are to get people to just give us a call. Mm. We want to talk to you specifically and see what it is you want, what we can offer you, and try and find that sort of medium if there's a bit of a disparity. But ultimately, we want to make that service as personal as possible. So we need to drive phone calls during that period. Um, and one of the things, actually, which is even reminded me about really handy, is that last year's clearing, um, we measured, and I built a little dashboard in um, Google Data Studio, which I gave our sort of admissions and enrollment team where we had our clearing call center. I gave them access to that. So they had that up on a big screen in the call center. So not only did they have the statistics around how many calls were coming in, they could actually see in real time the activity on the website. So when activity picked up, so did the phone calls. Um, and there was like real time tracking. Um, and then historically, I went back and we did it by hour of day. We had real time tracking to prove the value of the engagement on our website and the phone calls that we were getting in, they were pretty much on a par. So we backed up all the research that we got was that during that period, people just actually want to talk to us. Nice. Call tracking, as I'm sure you know, is a separate beast and entity, which I don't think anybody has, has properly cracked yet, in my opinion. Um, but the main thing is we need to get people to, to talk to us. So that, that's where we were. Okay, that's interesting. So you're, you're, you're using exactly the sort of conversion goals that we would use on a client campaign. There's, there's really yeah. no difference here. And the fact that you've got some people that are already considering staffs and they want to check out the gym, you might have like a download or an engagement with a video or something, I'm guessing, for, yeah. for that. Okay, cool. So we're just using normal conversion metrics then. I wanted to ask you about budget because budget, budget in most educational institutions notoriously tight. Um, yes. Obviously, all the metrics that you're able to give would really help justify more budget. But like, how tight is the budget? And you probably can't give us your exact PPC budget. <laughs> We've got 40 million now, I'm <laughs> Per hour, during clearing, yes. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, budget is a challenge and it's always been a challenge, but it's one that we recognize exists within the sector. Mm. So various universities that are larger will have larger budgets. Um, but one of the beauties about PPC, for example, is that you don't have to have the biggest budget to, to play and be in position one. Where you have less budget, you just have to be a little bit smarter. So one of the things that I realized was that I need to take a look at historic data. I'm a big fan of historic data. So I'll look at historically where the hotspots are and what, what's working really well. And I will make sure that we try and get budget in for those key periods of time. With the caveat that there is likely going to be a little bit of a change. Um, in behavior but we have to try and compete with other universities who will have potentially six figures for that one day on a level results day um, which is just crazy um, so what we try and do and what many of the universities do when we all meet up is say look um, we're not in a position where we can compete financially with university X 
But what we know is that our prospective students come to our website here, here, and here, and they're most engaged here. Mm. So if we know what it is exactly they're looking for and what they want, and we try and deliver the content to them then, we're helping them to make the decision earlier, and we can recruit students far earlier than us having to get to, right, we need all our all of our eggs are in one basket, and we need to recruit this many students on this day. Um, so yeah, we just try and be a little bit smarter. Um, makes a lot of sense so you're moving your way further up the funnel like you said earlier meeting people before they're in the process of a levels day shit you're already in their mind or that's that's your goal do you have some kind of lead capture system are you putting them on a database you're doing retargeting with them in the run-up to that day to make sure that when they get the results they're coming straight to you yeah absolutely um so we obviously look at what our competitors are doing um, and we do have sort of the standard lead captures. We've got the CRM, they're in our database, we keep them more. Um, but where we have to rely on and work with other teams, obviously every other team has got their own sort of challenges and timeframes and whatnot. So sometimes it's not just the case of, I'm quite lucky in the, in the current sense in that I can just go and walk over to our CRM manager and say, I was wondering if you've got any information about this. And we're very, so we've got a good relationship. We chat about loads of stuff and wherever he's unsure about something or he sees a little shift in how the emails are working, I can give him that additional information in terms of how our traffic's performing. Um, but I recognise that it's not always going to be the same like that. We can't just go over and say, can I have this? Especially if you're in an agency and you're working with a client and you might need that information. So one of the things that I'm a big advocate of, um, and I've actually delivered some conference talks around this topic because I think it's absolutely huge, is measuring engagement on the website. Um, so I look at things like installing scroll depth tracking, for example, um, and I look at YouTube content engagement, and I push all of that stuff into Google Analytics, and then I actually have a look and see what's going on. So one of the things I found was that at a specific period of the time, thinking about our postgraduate students, they really engage with one of our specific videos on the website and they really engage with it up to a certain point. And in that certain point, we released a key bit of information and that's where they dropped off. So knowing that that's exactly what our audience wants, we can tailor that and we can give them that information sooner rather than maybe give them that information sooner. Um, so we'll try and keep those things under our control with everybody else having access to it so we can make decisions much, much quicker. And one of the joys um, of having a sort of blended experience between um, working at an agency and working in-house is that from an agency I recognise you'll probably have <coughs> several clients who've all got the same sort of challenges and issues and some of them will have varying budgets. But equally, as I've mentioned, you cannot put a price on sort of 100% customer service every time. One client's £500 might be exactly the same as another client's £500,000. And that's one of the things that I understood really early on. Although it seems like a low amount in comparison, that £500 is worth that business exactly what that 500000 is. So I always treat them equally. So I try and build a really good relationship with my agency. Having been there, I know that, for example, in an agency, you're not always in every meeting. Um, and there's internal things, very sort of sort of quick catch-ups. Someone could just quickly pop to my desk and say, oh, I've just noted this on our website. Straight away, I'll, I'll pop an email or just jump on the phone to the agency and be like, hey, guys. Um, John from this team has just told me about this, thought you might want to know. Um, and we've seen some really good results because of that. Um, 
very much open book policy, working with the agency. This has changed, this is going to change, can we try and react? So they're just an extension of our team, that's how I see them, rather than us paying them for a service. That's pretty much how it works. Yeah, that's the best way to be. Um, in the notes for the show, you mentioned achieving a 76% decrease year on year in cost per student acquisition, which firstly, incredible <laughs> job. Um, obviously, there are going to be loads of loads of factors that contributed to that. But if you had to pick out some of the kind of key learnings for you that contributed to such an insane result, considering that Google Ads is going to be more expensive and more competitive year on year, have you managed to reverse that? Uh, I think, like I said, one of the very first things that I did when I came in was that I had a look at our historic data. So we've worked with the, the same agency for a while, and I had a look at our historic data. Um, went through everything and saw where the sort of the peaks and the troughs were, and I saw where we were investing a lot of money and where we were investing little. Um, and what I saw was that we never really tried to sort of push ourselves and challenge ourselves. We were like... Um, when I say we, I mean us and the agency rather than us internally or, or the agency because we're a team. We win together, we lose together. So we never really tried to push ourselves and we never really tried to challenge ourselves. And the case was we might need a little bit of more budget for this. But then I would go back and say, well, actually, we wasted a little bit of spend on this campaign in, in February, so we could easily cut that back. And that's two, three, four hundred pounds or four four thousand, for example. That's money that we could invest there. So the money that we require now, we can release from wasted spend. So ultimately the biggest thing is looking at where we're wasting spend, like I said, where we can't compete with everybody else. We're not in a position, and many universities are not in a position where we're in a new financial year and we say, okay, this year we're just gonna need another 50,000 pounds more because 10 more new universities have opened and we need to compete. It's just not the way that the market works. Um, so we look at our historic data, we look at where people choose to come to staff and at what point are they engaging with us. And we focus on those specifically. Um, and just smarter optimizations. I can't give away all of my secrets, unfortunately. Um, but I'm a big, big sort of advocate of being that sort of num the numbers guy. So I need to have a number behind it. I don't like saying, I think this is going to happen. I will say, I think this is going to happen because in February 2019, this happened and our metrics currently are going the same way so i predict this will happen if it does we will spend x if it doesn't we will save y and then we do it that way so it sounds like that it's almost like you're taking a kind of content calendar approach to the ppc throughout the year yeah where it's this isn't one static campaign where the same stuff is happening you're constantly evolving you've got two things going on i guess you've got the micro what's happening you know august january that type of stuff and then you've got macro what are the big shifts in user behavior and, and where are people going and social networks and how are they all impacting things so you're kind of trying to marry these together and build a model that i guess predicts where your budget is going to be best spent yeah that's probably the best way to describe it i did build um i'm a bit of an excel geek full disclosure um <laughs> Having an initial PBC background has taught me that. I absolutely love Excel. It's a lifesaver. Um, I built a tool where 
in Excel, we could say this year we're going to spend, and I'll just pick a random amount. So this year we're going to spend ten thousand pounds through, or let's say twelve, twelve thousand pounds throughout the year, so a thousand pound a month. Mm. You just type in that amount into my spreadsheet, and it will tell you at what point of the year historically we were picking up leads um, and where they were coming, and it splits it out by channel. So it will say. 10% of your leads will come from Google, 10% from Facebook, 60% are going to come from your display ads and whatever. Um, that allows us to have a far more strategic approach because it gives us a baseline to work from. One of the things that I didn't mention much sooner, apologies, and I should have mentioned, is that um, one of the big successes that we had was testing, done a lot more testing, which has enabled us to save that 76%. Mm. Um, an example I can give you is um, with Google's sort of responsive search ads. Um, we tested so many different things um, over a period of time and kept track of them just to see what it is our audience engaged with the most. And one of the things that we found our audience engaged with the most kind of blew everybody away because we didn't expect it to be that thing. So for, I can't tell you what it is, it's a secret. <laughs> oh, it's like, here we go, here we go. It's the gym. Um, but let's say for example, if it's an open day, you'll get to meet current students. Um, so we would try a headline that would say, come and meet our current students. Mm. And that particular headline, if it was that, um, the click-through rate was absolutely insane. Um, and the engagement we got from it and the number of open day bookings that we got from it was insane. And the feedback that we get beyond the open day is mm. exactly that. Love to meet the current students. Really valuable to hear it from somebody actually boots on the ground rather than yeah. they even the students themselves describe it as being sold to or being given sort of a, a fake or not fake, a, like a, a fairy tale approach to the universe. Yeah. Like this is what life's like, look at us. Speaking to actual students, that's what they sort of look that's one of the things that work really well the big killer win i've got to keep that a secret but after this if you just slide me six figures <laughs> i'm sure there's some currency that we could slide you six figures off oh, yeah. <laughs> so just for just for the listeners kind of frame of reference when you're testing different we call them benefits right so you might be testing meet current students against come and see the fitness center or something like that. How many of those different benefits would you test against each other to identify that, oh, meet current students, that is the one? Um, I think as with any business, not just universities or any educational institution, we always try and see how we are different from everybody else. Mm. Um, a lot of the people are offering same and similar courses, but some of our courses, um, attract people because we've got specific USPs. So initially, as with anyone, we, we test those first. Those are the sort of bread and butter. Mm. We've invested 30 million pounds in X. We've got this specific facility. If I think about eSports, for example, where we were sort of one of the first to go to market um, and led the way on that. We talk about that. We talk about the amount that we've invested in this facility and you get industry standard equipment, for example. So we've had people, professional people, come in and say, this is incredible, this is the stuff that I use at work, and you're giving this to actual students to, to try on, amazing. All that sort of stuff we test. And then we go down into the areas of, for example, <clears throat> meet our current students, see what accommodations like, learn about the local area. So not 
direct like CTAs, like book an open day, mm. get prospectus, come and, come and meet us, X, X, do, do, do. They're a lot more softer and we say, learn more about this, understand this, get help with your student finance or whatever. So we try and keep it a little bit conversational, if that makes sense. It's not yeah. a direct hard sell. And we see how those work in example, because we know how we're unique, but in the same way, we need to also understand about our actual audience and what they want. Most universities will be saying, we are different because of this, this and this. Come and see us. Not many universities I've seen will say, tell us about you, what is it that you want from us, rather than, we, we want to speak to the, like the individual, for example, we want to tell us about you, why is it you want to come here? We understand that you are going to part with five figures over three years. It's a, it's a massive purchase. Um, probably close to just buying a brand new car or even bigger, you probably, the biggest purchase you'll make after that is buying a house, for example, which in the current market is incredibly difficult. So we understand that and we try and speak to people on that level and say, look, we understand that it's a challenge. Tell us what it is that you find difficult and let us try and address that for you. And if we are the right university for you, our doors are open. Yeah. And, and, I'd love to give the grades, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you're doing that, you mean, by identifying what's important to them, you're doing that by measuring a click-through rate of different benefit statements. Is that what you mean? Or you're doing that on the content on the pages? Yeah, so measuring the click-through rate of the actual um, adverts that we're using, and then we look at content engagement. So look at all those things, for example, where I mentioned about um, scroll depth, how far people are scrolling down on the page where there's a, a drop off, how much of the page are people seeing? So one of the things that I do is I get somebody like a current student who wouldn't have seen that version of the website or, or who wouldn't have accessed that page, just cut that off as a screenshot and say, if you were coming to study at us, at our university, would this give you everything that you need? Has this got all the information that you need or would you need this and then show them the rest of the page? So then I get that feedback from them and go from there. Um, that is the main one. And then separately what I do on top of that, one of the things that I do, I'm going to try and be very vague because I don't want to give away all my secrets. Um, geographically, we've noticed that behaviour is different from specific areas. So we try and engage with those people geographically differently. If I know that you are from Manchester and you're thinking about coming to study at Staffordshire, I know that generally people from Manchester will access specific parts of the website for a specific amount of time and they look at a specific piece of information. So for argument's sake, let's say people from Manchester who think about studying at us um, are really interested in getting fit, like I said, and want to use our gym. We tailor that content for Manchester and say, look at our fitness facilities, look at our gym, look at all of our stuff that we've got, because we know that's what people want. So we push that content out specifically to those geo regions, and then that's another thing that we measure as well. So we always try and keep on top um, of stuff like that, pretty much. Very, very, very cool. I want to ask you about some successes and failures. Obviously, with a background <laughs> in PPC and with plenty of experience, client side, agency side, you're going to have come into the job thinking, I think this is going to be absolutely amazing you've got a particular strategy in mind you're like right just wait till i unleash this beast <laughs> and then you unleash it and it does nothing are there any of those examples or have you just been perfect from the word go 
Nobody's perfect. Uh, I'm just trying to think. I think one of the, the biggest things that sort of harmed us and that we couldn't have predicted, um, which is probably the case for, for most of the industry, and if anybody disagrees, I would probably put forward that they might be lying. <laughs> um, the change in the sort of GDPR regulations mm. um, really hurt us, especially from a programmatic point of view. Mm. Um, one, when I first started programmatic was a, a, a big channel um, for us, super targeted. Um, we were reaching people in areas where probably PPC might not be able to cover the entire sort of landscape. Um, but since the new regulation come in, we found that we had to be a little bit more sort of um, surgical with it, which harmed us. And we could never have forecast, um, for example, dropping, let's say, 10 leads or 20 leads. 10 leads, for example, of a, of a university, that's 10 people potentially spending yeah. £30,000. So that's a lot of money. 10 leads might sound a lot, but when you look at it like that, yeah. it's a huge amount of money. Um, so we could never have, never have predicted that. Um, but in the same way, it's definitely a learning now because going forward, when we look to use that channel, it's probably one of the reasons why I built that file where we sort of predict and try and solo money into channels. That's one of the biggest things that's helped me create that file and say, look, we've learned from the past now. We invested X amount into this channel. Um, the returns took a while and we were trying to figure out why. Um, and we learned from it, and mm. since then we've been going from strength to strength. I can tell you, um, actually, a funny story, which I'm sure you'll enjoy. Um, with our programmatic marketing, um, we get placement reports, as, as you know. We can see where our ads have been displayed. Um, and with the specific vendor that we use, <clears throat> we get a whole load of metrics from them. One of them um, is about the quality of the placement, so you've got very good, good, okay, poor, very poor. Um, brand safety is a massive thing. So we invest in our brand safety, but some will obviously slip through the net. Nothing huge or that would cause the business harm or anything else. Um, but I was looking at a placement report and I was going through everything and I was thinking one of the things that I was looking at are where are our very high quality placements with low impressions? So where can we get more quality out of? I looked at this report um, and I saw this website and the URL, um, I can't remember, but let's say for example, it was something like blueballoons.com or something else like that. Not even blue balloons, just something incredibly innocuous, like I don't know, angelcake.com, something else. I went on. Um, and I thought, oh, I wonder what this website is because there's been six impressions um, in three months, but the quality is very high, so why is it so low? I typed it in, <laughs> and it turned out to be like a, some sort of Dutch escorting site where you can sort of request a Dutch escort. And I thought, oh, this this is it. Like, I've accessed something at work that I shouldn't have done. Um, and I'm finished. <laughs> Um, but I reported it straight away and I, I said, at full disclosure at the time, I just thought, Jesus, I didn't even know that this was the case. There was no sort of warning or whatever. It's completely innocent URL like angel cake or, I don't know, chocolatecake.com or just something in, you know. Both of those sound really dodgy if you're looking for dodginess. <laughs> yeah, um, so I quickly went off it and I was like, right, we need to block this um, ASAP. 
and then we did. Um, but yeah, it was definitely interesting to say the least. Um, but I did the right thing, reported it. Yeah, um, yeah, of course. We'll have a job. Of course, of course. <laughs> I love that. So, um, on the flip side, then, is there anything that you've just had a punt at? You've thought, well, there's low chance that this will work, but we'll just test it. And it's turned out to be amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's a really obvious one, a really, really obvious one, to the point where you might even actually laugh. Um, but one of the things that we didn't do with PPC before um, was on mobile specifically, we didn't change the message at one point. So our call to action was literally, let's say, for example, book an open day. Mm. Whether it was mobile, desktop or tablet, call to action was literally just book an open day. So we trialed that if people were on their mobile, we would say, book an open day from your mobile. Mm. Those three extra words from your mobile or from your phone were incredible, absolutely incredible. I knew they'd be successful, uh, but the amount of success that we saw from it was unbelievable. Um, just simple things like quick wins, I would call it, when you yeah. go into an account the first time and you look at something like that, you include that and you just think, this is amazing. I didn't realize that just three specific words like that would just help us get conversion through the roof. But yeah, it, it really worked. That's awesome. Awesome. That one's brief. You can take that one. Oh, I like it. I like it. Yeah, yeah. All your competitors now. Straight into their ad manager. <laughs> All right, I've got three quick fire questions for you to finish. So number one, if you could only pick one digital marketing channel to grow a university or education business, I guess, what would it be? Controversially, I'd choose Facebook or social media. When I say Facebook, I mean the um, social media family. So Facebook yeah, yeah. is, I would pick those 100%. What, paid or Google's organic? Paid. Sorry? Paid or organic? Both. That's, you're letting me have that. Oh, right. I see. So you've picked like three networks. You've got WhatsApp, <laughs> Facebook, and Instagram, and then paid organic. So that's six. Okay. <laughs> well, the, the safe answer would be sort of Google. Google ads, go for it. Boom. <laughs> um, but with Facebook, we know that in that family of, of social networks, that's where our students are. You have a good time with your friends at an open day, you're going to put it on there. Simple as. Yeah. We know that works. That's where our audience is predominantly. So we'll start there. And that's my answer. Interesting, <laughs> interesting. Okay, next question. If you had to 10x student intake in the next year, but you had unlimited marketing budget to do it, What's the first thing that comes to mind that you'd do? Probably let admissions know first that you were going to 10x it, I guess. <laughs> so if I had to increase the student recruitment and I had an unlimited amount of budget, what yeah. would I do? First thing that comes to mind, day one. Right Take away. out an absolutely massive billboard outside of every major transport location that exists and just put our university logo right there, 100%. Really? Yeah, 100%. Interesting, interesting. So for you, it's just getting in their mind. Yeah, 100%. Awareness is the first step for you. Doesn't deliver an immediate return. Yeah. Uh, and if in this ideal uh, future that you speak of, which I hope comes true, <laughs> um, programmatic out of home is something that's finally sort of nailed down and works perfectly, then yeah. that's what I'd pick out. Programmatic advert out of home in a key location that would just seal the deal. That's what I'd go for. And roll back GDPR. 
pretty much, yeah. And then with this unlimited budget, probably buy myself a nice little house <laughs> in somewhere nice. Jamaica. <laughs> nice little house. All right, final question. Ireland, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, in Ireland, yeah. yeah. Now we're getting to the real stuff. Um, if you could go back and give yourself one piece of advice on day one of joining staffs, what would it be? Um, day one of joining staffs, um, it's going to sound dead diplomatic, but it's not. There's, there's nothing that would change, to be honest. Um, oh. everyone, <laughs> everyone here has uh, been incredibly welcoming. And whenever I've had an idea that um, has had some, not resistance, resistance is the wrong word. Whenever I've put an idea forward that isn't met with the reaction that I probably initially wanted it to, mm. I spend a little bit more time saying, look, this is why I think it will benefit. Um, and generally, um, it will be a yes. And if it's ever a no, it won't just be a hard, no, we're not doing this. It'll be a no because of this. So I'll go back and take that because of this and put it forward. Mm. If it was a general question about my personal sort of working career, one thing I would give myself advice for since I started in the industry is to um, have that why. So initially, I would put ideas forward um, to, to quite senior level um, employees, board members, for example. But I was always afraid because of their specific job title. So at one point, I'd be talking to like, this person's the CEO, like I've, I've got to get this right. Mm. I was always putting an incredible amount of pressure on myself. And I'd be going to meetings, PowerPoint on, and I'm holding the notes and I'm shaking. And I didn't have any confidence in myself to say, look, I believe this is true and this is why. So have that why is what I'm saying. Try not to take no for an answer unless the no is followed with the word because. Great so, yeah, advice. But staffs, love staffs, wouldn't change anything. Our motto is proud to be staffs and I absolutely am. Dude, fantastic. Well, thank you so much, Azim, for spending the time and revealing as much of the, uh, the inner secrets as you possibly can. Where can people find out more about you and follow you on social? Um, so I'm on Twitter um, at Azim Digital, A-Z-E-E-M and then digital. Um, and I've also very recently started an Instagram account with the same handle. Um, but it's dead boring. There's one picture on there and I've got like two friends. So Oh, well, let's see if we can at least double that. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> but yeah, predominantly on, on Twitter at Azim Digital. Um, that's where I'm at. Um, Connect with me and you'll see fun stories about marketing. Um, randomly as well, recently, if we've got time, some of uh, some of my colleagues in marketing uh, from across the industry started rowing a lot, going on rowing machines. Um, so I thought, you know what, I'm going to get on it as well. So very recently, if you look at my feed, it's literally just going to be, look, I've jumped on a rower, here's a picture, this is the time that I've done, trying to keep up with the other super fit guys and girls. Um, but yeah. Well, so, I, I saw a shot from you at Brighton SEO. You're in pretty good shape, dude. <laughs> you can't tell from this this screen angle, but you're in pretty good shape. I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily take you on in a rowing competition too lightly. It's a uh, Photoshop. It's what it is. <laughs> I'm hoping that when you put this out, you'll probably just superimpose some hair on me and maybe look ten years younger. <laughs> but yeah, well, thank you very much. Um, I try. Uh, got a good friend of mine to thank for that. He um, is a terrible person who sort of fat shamed me into getting fit. And here I am. <laughs> and of course, you have some wonderful fitness facilities at Staffordshire Uni. Absolutely. Um, 
I am a personal member of the team here. Love it. Um, it's another good way to secretly sort of get in and chat to the students yeah. because they don't see my name tag. They don't think that I work here until I tell them, obviously. Um, but it's nice. It's a good way. Fitness is an incredible way to just sort of check out and switch off from the world. So I definitely Absolutely. recommend it. Absolutely. I've just got myself a Peloton bike and um, I am realizing gradually that it's probably I'm probably going to die by trying to get to the top of that leaderboard and my heart will just explode. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what competition can do. I'd love to have one. I just uh, current budget doesn't allow for that. Wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> well. um, I'm sure there was a place in, in London, I'm sure somebody told me where you can, there's like a studio where you can book on and ride a peloton bike in the studio. Um, hey. It's one thing I love to do. That's um, a business idea. Yeah, absolutely. I think whoever's done it, unless it's them themselves, have got a, yeah. a great little business idea. Well, you can get up to the 50... next time I go to London, I'm over it. Absolutely. Well, you can get up to 50 usernames on a single bike, so I could potentially rent it out another 49 times. Right, there's my Just ROI. Just send me your address and I'll Well, I know I've had ROI from this. Thank you so much for your time today, Azim. Absolutely loved it, man. Thanks very much. I really appreciate it. Hope you found this video useful. And remember, if you enjoyed it, click the little like button. If you want to check out more videos from Exposure Ninja, then don't forget to hit the subscribe button and that little bell icon, or leave us a comment if you've got any questions or suggestions of things that you'd like to see us cover in future. Don't forget, if you want some help with your digital marketing, then you can head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review and request a free website and digital marketing review. What will happen here is we'll ask you a few questions about your website and your goals. And one of our team will then put together a 15 minute video where we'll show you how to improve your website's ranking, your traffic and your conversions. It's completely free of charge. I know, crazy, right? But danger, there is a chance that you'll become a client after seeing this review because it'll blow your socks off. I have to be honest, but don't let that put you off. Go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review and I look forward to seeing you in the next video.